I am Camille Johnson, and this is Finding the Floor. Stories and reflections of midlife motherhood, family, and finding meaning in it all. Join me as I share a little piece of my life and figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Hey everyone, welcome to Finding the Floor. This is episode 104 and we are on Habit 7, Sharpening the Saw from 7 Habits of Highly Effective People. All right, we have made it to Habit 7, although I will have to let you know I am planning on two more episodes in regards to seven habits. So we're going to sort of do next week a little roundup and the week after I'm going to talk a little bit about agreements because I'm experimenting with them in my family trying to figure them out better and be better with that regard in making agreements and not being a nag so hard. Okay. I just felt like this week, it's really all about you and renewal and making sure you're actually doing that every day, which I just thought was really important because I have a couple really, I don't know, developed habits, especially over the last two years um, that I really enjoy and I think that's what's going on with me is the renewal every day and it really does help I think for moms that's really important that you're taking time to renew and I used to be so annoyed when people would say to me you need to get up before your kids do so you can get the stuff done that you want to get done without them and and I would have a hard time doing that. But I would find a time when my kids were small to get that in. So sometimes if that's exercising and doing that during their naps or at night when they go to bed, just some time that you can find some space where you can practice these things. Okay. I did love at the start of this chapter, the chapter heading, what had a quote and it said, Sometimes when I consider what tremendous consequences come from little things, I am tempted to think there are no little things. And that is by Bruce Barton. And I agree what he is saying here with sharpening the saw and renewal is that it's something you're doing a little bit every day so that you can keep that energy to go forth and do. So he has the analogy of what if you come up upon a person and he's been sawing down a tree for a really long time and you say to him, well, have you sharpened the saw? It's like, I don't have time to sharpen the saw. I've got to cut down this tree. Well, maybe if you would just take a break to sharpen the saw, you could cut it down faster because then it would be sharper. 
I sometimes think about this with my kitchen knives, like when they're really sharp, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but I just love this idea. So it's like habit seven is personal PC. So you are the goose. Remember your PC is um, your relationship or, um, oh my gosh, right now I can't think of what PC stands for and I don't have the book in front of me. So, <laughs> but it's like you are taking care of yourself. So he says, it's renewing the four dimensions of your character, the physical dimension, which includes exercise, nutrition, and stress management. Social-emotional, which includes service, empathy, synergy, and intrinsic security. It includes spiritual, value, clarification, and commitment, study, and meditation. And the mental, reading, visualizing, planning, and writing. So exercising all those four dimensions regularly and consistently in wise and balanced ways. He says, this is one of those quadrant two activities and it must be acted upon. It's not just going to happen. But what he does say is the, this is the single most powerful investment we can ever make in life. Investment in ourselves, the only instrument we have with which to deal with life and to contribute. So, yeah, you are the goose. And normally we think of like a goose that you can't take care of yourself. But we are a very high functioning goose and we can take care of ourselves instead of waiting for someone else to take care of us. And I think that's also one of the keys to this is like, you know, you're beginning with habit one being proactive and that you can take care of yourself in these four ways and will help you then be able to interact with others in a very healthy way. And there's one quote at the end that I just found really profound, which I will obviously send, but I'm going to go in order of the book or of the chapter and we're going to talk about the four different things. So first he says, you need to be aware of your physical body and take care of it. And that includes eating right, getting rest and relaxation and exercising. And again, also learning to deal with stress. But part of that, I think for me, learning to deal with stress is exercising. Like when I work out, I, my mind is able to be cleared up, like, cause I'm thinking more about what I'm doing with the exercise and I'm not worried about anything else. And then sometimes during that time, I'll get ideas for some things I might be stressed out about because I'm taking the time to renew my body. And he says to try to have a minimum of 30 minutes every other day. So that just equals three to six hours a week. He says it's so, so important for us to renew our bodies. I really like this quote because he said, probably the greatest benefit you will experience from exercising will be the development of your habit one muscle of proactivity. 
as you act based on the value of physical well-being instead of reacting to all the forces that keep you from exercising, your paradigm of yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence, and your integrity will be profoundly affected. Isn't that interesting that just choosing if you're going to just every day exercise for 30 minutes or however long you want to do it and make it just this doable thing. And I've talked about that like minimum requirement um, or minimum baseline. Like I'm going to at least exercise for like 20 minutes every day. That would get in your three to six hours. I like to exercise in the morning before the rest of my day happens. When my kids are in school, I actually exercise after they leave because, well, this week we just started seminary, (laughs) which means we have to leave at 5.30 in the morning or actually 5.40 now, 5.40 in the morning to get to seminary. And we still got about a month little less than a month until my son can take his driver's test. So when they leave, I'm driving them or my husband's driving them. I usually work out after they go. But sometimes if like my husband's driving or someone else is carpooling, I'll get up before I have to get my other daughter off to school. But I just love getting it done before I do anything else because many times after that, I'm just not motivated to do it but I'm always just motivated in the morning because it's become such a habit. And I wasn't really always the best at doing this, especially when my kids were younger. Sometimes I would go in like spurts and I'd get like a new video and start doing it. You know, it'd be like a 12-week program and I'd do it and then I wouldn't keep doing it. And so it'd kind of be a little bit more sporadic. Or I do like the couch potato to 5k program which would be like 20 weeks and then after that we get into winter and I wouldn't be as consistent so I think as my kids have gotten older it's gotten a little bit easier but I've also I think our I don't like going to the gym because I feel like adding that extra five to ten minutes drive going to a gym and then that extra time back that was too much for me so I'm a workout from home kind of gal And so I have like a subscription to a streaming service that has lots of workouts and I use YouTube or um, there's so many things out there that you can use that are free or are not that expensive to like get you into a routine. And I feel like 30 minutes a day is actually really, really doable. So That's what I do, and I've been grateful that um, it just really also helps me just feel calmer throughout the day, and I get a little dopamine hit in the morning. I think it's really important, which is why Stephen Covey says that's one of the things, that you're taking care of your physical body, but that also includes like eating right and getting rest, and I notice when I am exercising, but maybe I'm stressed and not eating well and not getting a lot of sleep, that's not really helping me either. So it's like a combination of all those things. Obviously, moderation, not obsessing, but that can really help. Okay, so the next one is your spiritual dimension. And this one, he says, provides leadership in your life, and it is highly related to habit too. 
If you remember, habit two is the create, the creating your mission statement part of the habit. Like you are, first you're proactive with habit one and then habit two is that you are the creator. You're going to, you can create, there's like the mental creation and the physical creation and habit two is the mental creation. And that is what you're working on with your spiritual because he says your spiritual dimension is your core, your center, your commitment to your value system. So as you've been trying to figure out in habit two with your mission statement, what that looks like for you, um, taking the time each day to look at it or work on it. And that's maybe something I need to work on with my, because I'm not quite done with my mission statement. I, I've worked on it generally, but I need to just really fine tune it. And just even thinking right now, like, oh, why don't instead of feeling like I need to have a big time to work on my mission statement, what if every day I just take five minutes and look and see if I want to add or take away or if it's, if it's pretty good. So I'm going to start doing that. He says, when he talks about leadership, sometimes we think about people like guiding people in a line. But I love when he talks about leadership as the creative like vision. What is the vision you're getting? And what principles are you going to live by? He says, the idea that when we take time to draw in on the leadership center of our lives, what life is ultimately about It spreads like an umbrella over everything else. It renews us. It refreshes us, particularly if we recommit to it. So I, over probably it's been about two years because it was just before Izzy left on her mission that I started doing this. um, I would write things down along with my scripture study instead of just like reading scriptures. It actually became more of like, read, reflect, ponder, write. And sometimes I write scriptures that stand out to me or that I like. And I love doing that now. And sometimes it takes me way longer. Like sometimes I'll be doing it for an hour. And when I wake up early enough, that's fine. And I don't think it's bad to do extra time, but um, I just really like it. And he's just saying it's so important to just recenter yourself every day. And I know sometimes for me, I kind of get rushed and then I don't sit down and say my prayers as often in the morning. I do it. I'm better at night. And um, that's one thing I also need to work on a little bit more. He mentioned this quote by David O. McKay, who was a prophet and president of our church, I think back in the 1950s. He said, the greatest battles of life are fought out daily in the silent chambers of the soul. And Stephen Covey goes on to say, if you win the battles there, if you settle the issues that inwardly conflict, you feel a sense of peace, a sense of knowing what you're about. And you'll find that the public victories where you tend to think cooperatively to promote the welfare and good of other people and to be genuinely happy for other people's success will follow naturally. So it's just this idea of really centering yourself every day and reminding yourself what are your core values and kind of being guided by your conscience. Um, And he mentions that later in the book, how important your conscience is with your renewal. 
Okay, then he goes on to the third dimension, which is the mental dimension. It sounds like we're in a multiverse when I say that. But um, so you've got those four dimensions of your life that you're renewing. And this is the third one. He says, using our minds is mental. And he says, even after we have left formal education, most of us um, think of that with a formal education. But he says, this is kind of related to habit three. He says, we need to practice habit three and manage ourselves effectively to maximize the use of any resource in accomplishing our mission. He says, education is so important. We should be reading good books, writing, journaling, really challenging our brain regularly. He says, uh, we should probably be getting to the point where we could read a book a week. I know um, if you've heard of Jim Quick, he is a brain guy. He has a really great book, which he talks about how you get to the point where you can read very quickly and reading at least one book a week. But Stephen Covey says, try starting just to read a book a month and then get better and better. And he also says in the mental, you so like you've got reading, writing, and then organizing and planning are also part of the mental. So I feel like this podcast has really helped me in that part of my life because I can think about books that I want to read and share with you guys or books that I need to read to like add to something I'm thinking about. Then I get to like organize my thoughts in an outline, then share them with you. So, and I'm also been teaching Sunday school or gospel doctrine in my, on church on every other Sunday. It's like first and third. And that too is just like, helps me think about and ponder different things and how it's going to relate. And I write them down. And he says, Writing is also a good way to sharpen the saw, journaling, writing good letters, communicating on the deeper level of thoughts, feelings, and ideas rather than on the shallow and superficial level of events also affects our ability to think clearly, to reason accurately, and to be understood. Okay, so he's saying we should be doing this every day. These first three things, we could take an hour to do them every day. So we should be exercising and connecting spiritually and then challenging ourselves mentally every day. He says, sharpening the saw is in the first three dimensions, the physical, the spiritual, and the mental is a practice I call the daily private victory. And I commend to you the simple practice of spending one hour a day, every day doing it, an hour a day for the rest of your life. So challenge accepted. And I think it's, if you think about getting an exercise in, however you like connect spiritually, if that's reading your scriptures and praying, or if that's like going in nature, you could maybe combine that with your exercise or you have a meditation time, however that looks for you. And then taking the time to like mentally help yourself with planning, organizing, reading a book. And maybe that happens later in the day. I feel like I have the first two that I do regularly and then I don't know, usually throughout the day, I will do the mental one. But I think I probably could use a little bit more help in my planning. Although I have to say, I really have been enjoying, again, planning by my roles and goals for those roles and fitting that into the schedule of the day. That has really been helping my planning. 
Okay, so he says, next, the last dimension is the social-emotional. And he says, while the physical, spiritual, and mental dimensions are closely related to habits one, two, and three, centered on the principles of personal vision, leadership, and management, the social-emotional dimension focuses on habits four, five, and six, centered on the principles of interpersonal leadership, empathic communication, and creative cooperation. So it's just like, as you go out throughout your life and you're dealing with other people, you then start practicing habits four, five, and six, thinking win-win, listening first and then um, sharing. So listen to understand and then to seek to be understood or seek to understand, then seek to be understood And then the synergy, like all those things, I think just being aware that all those things are possible, that win-win is out there, that it isn't a zero-sum game or win-lose or that we have to be the losers, that there's alternatives out there. And that even if we're different than somebody else, that that actually is a good thing, especially really what I've learned from synergy is taking that difference in a way that will then synergize an even better idea. But he says, success in habits four, five, and six is not primarily a matter of intellect. It's primarily a matter of emotion. It's highly related to our sense of personal security. Now, this next quote I thought was so awesome, and it's actually a couple paragraphs, but I thought it was a really important part of the chapter, so I'm going to read like the whole thing. It's where he's talking about where does your personal security come from, and I just love this. Okay, the quote begins, where does intrinsic security come from? It doesn't come from what other people think of us or how they treat us. It doesn't come from the scripts they've handed us. It doesn't come from our circumstances or our position. It comes from within. It comes from accurate paradigms and correct principles deep in our mind and heart. It comes from inside out congruence, from living a life of integrity in which our daily habits reflect our deepest values. I believe that a life of integrity is the most fundamental source of personal worth I do not agree with the popular literature that says that self-esteem is primarily a matter of mindset, of attitude, that you can psych yourself into a peace of mind. Peace of mind comes when your life is in harmony with true principles and values and in no other way. End quote. Isn't that awesome? I just think of this idea of personal, like intrinsic security. Like as you're learning to interact with other people, other people who have different ideas and different values, you're not feeling threatened by them because you are living through these correct principles and that living them in a way like that every day you strive to, let's say, be honest and to care about your friends and to try to to serve others as a few examples, those ideas can create this feeling of self-worth instead of trying to find it from nowhere or to try to get it from other people. Whereas you could, people could tell you you're amazing all day and then you still wouldn't believe it. So I just feel like that was a really important idea of where intrinsic security comes from, that it comes from within. 
and that it comes from living out your values, figuring them out and then living them. So part of all these habits and all these things that he's trying to tell us is that we have to decide what our maps are. And if our maps are correct, are we trying to drive in Chicago, but we have a map of Detroit? Or are we arguing with someone where we see a picture and I see the old lady and you see the young woman and I cannot even let you tell me the other way you see it because I'm so insecure. And that all just becomes from within. It doesn't come without. It's like those little tiny commitments we keep with ourselves of striving to be honest. Even he says getting up every day to exercise, that is actually going to create this feeling of proactiveness and keeping that commitment. Doing this renewal every day will help you as you develop this intrinsic security, the personal security. Because then when things come up that are hard, you can kind of go back to that and maybe not take offense as much. So all of that is really cool. Okay. Near the end of the book, or sorry, near the end, I guess this is also near the end of the book, but near the end of the chapter, he also mentions like the social mirror and how we are reflecting back to other people. And that because we have this knowledge that we can choose to reflect back to others, a clear, undistorted vision of themselves. He says, we can affirm their proactive nature and treat them as responsible people. We can help script them as principle-centered, value-based, independent, worthwhile individuals. And with the abundance mentality, we realize that giving a positive reflection to others in no way diminishes us. It increases us because it increases the opportunities for effective interaction with other proactive people. Also really cool, this idea of being abundant with others because you see how as people see things differently, you can have a synergy that can be created when different people are seeing things from different ways and not being threatened by that at all. I just think that's really cool. So he talked about, there was this um, story he mentions in his book about this um, computer education misprogramming. I think it was in England. They misprogrammed this really bright class of students as dumb. And I don't even want to call them dumb, but but in the book, it was like bright and dumb in this quote unquote dumb class as bright. And it was like this self-fulfilling prophecy because a teacher saw them as a computer told them to see them with whatever scores they had. And he said they figured it out like five months later that there was a computer mix-up and they didn't tell the teachers at first and they noticed that the kids who were considered bright, their actually scores went down. And But the kids who were considered dumb but were t with the computer program told that were bright, their scores went up and the teachers said at first it wasn't really working with them, but we knew that these were bright kids, so we just changed our methods. And I just thought that was so fascinating. And he was saying maybe sometimes when people have learning disabilities, it's more of a teacher inflexibility. I just thought so true that just figuring out 
the best way someone can learn. One of the really important things about the whole process of renewal, okay? So we have our four dimensions. We have physical, spiritual, mental, and social, emotional. And within all of those is to be aware of our conscience and to train our conscience in good ways. Because as we train our conscience in good values and good ways, we can then act in a way that is consistent with it. So he says, conscience is the endowment that senses our congruence or disparity with correct principles and lifts us towards them when it's in shape. Training and educating the conscience, however, requires even greater concentration, more balanced discipline, and more consistently honest living. It requires regular feasting on inspiring literature, thinking noble thoughts, and above all, living in harmony with its still small voice. Because he talks about how conscience and creativity can also really help us as we are creating what we see for ourselves. It's like habit two, you know, begin with the end in mind, that we're not using the past to see how we could be, but we're creative and imaginative, but also using our conscience. And he's saying we need to be aware of that. And as we renew every day, that is important. That's part of it. Like that renewal strengthenings our um, conscience. I mentioned last week how in my book, there's like some insights from Sean Covey, like after the fact, after the chapter. And he mentioned that Hamilton, the musical happened because Lin-Manuel Miranda took a certain book on vacation and read it and was inspired to do this next musical. I guess he had just finished like In the Heights musical and, and then decided to take a vacation and took this book. So it is an important to take time to renew every day, but I think it's also important to maybe even take a break, make sure we're taking vacations so that we don't get burned out. And I think what's really cool about Stephen Covey is that he is, he really is about trying to live a balanced life and he tells you how you can do that. That some people say, you know, it's really impossible to live a balanced life. And what Stephen Covey is saying, if you're living a principle-centered, principle-value-centered life, then it's easier because you know where you want to divide your time. And when you plan your weeks, that's easier as you know what roles and people you want to make sure you're connecting with because it's more about relationships than just getting things done. And then with the seventh habit of renewal, he's saying you need to be aware of all those different parts of your life. And I think one thing that is really easy is to neglect, especially the spiritual part of our lives. I think lately I've noticed just a lot of young people and a lot of older people just leaving either my own church or they don't even go to any church at all. And I feel like there is some sort of there is an effect. He talks about how it's like, you know, if you have four cars on a tire and one's flat, it's going to make a difference in your life. And I really feel like that's true, that you just do feel more centered, more peaceful as you really strive to connect with your core principles and the center of your life, which for me is Jesus Christ, as I connect with him every day through scriptures and prayer and um, through things my church offers me. I like this one a lot. Habit seven 
renewal and making sure you're aware of all those four dimensions in your life. Super cool. Okay, this has been like so fun to learn about all of these habits in such kind of a slower way and to have time to reflect like week by week about it because I know normally I think I read the book and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this time it's just like I've really enjoyed trying to apply the things. So for instance, yesterday we were driving home from school and my one daughter, I noticed she was upset. And now I know if there is an emotion involved, I need to make sure I turn on my empathic listening. So she was upset about people in like her band class not listening. And so I just listened and then I rephrased and reflected what feeling I thought she was. So she kept on talking and I didn't try to give her advice. I just listened and I was like, at the end, just so proud of myself. So I feel like sometimes even as you're striving to do the little things and even if you're blundering it, but as you are trying to do some of these seven habits and implement into your life, I feel like it really does make a difference. Okay, you guys, have an awesome week and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me today. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, come by findingthefloor.com where I will have show notes and links for anything I've mentioned today. Special thanks to Seth Johnson for creating and performing the theme music. Come back next week and thanks for listening.